Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's a bonus episode. Hey, this is not even our podcast, but props to my friends over at NPR's Here and Now because they did a great interview with me about the upcoming publication of the paperback edition of my book, The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money, 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs. Here's the segment that they aired during the week. This is with my pal Jeremy Hobson. He's one of the hosts of NPR's Here and Now. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, Americans owed about $1.5 trillion on their student loans as of last summer. That is a dramatic increase from a decade earlier. And taking on too much student debt is just one of the common money mistakes our next guest notices. Jill Schlesinger is a certified financial planner. Her book is The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money – 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs. It's out in paperback next month. She's also a CBS News business analyst and joins us now. Hi, Jill. Hello. So we talked with you last year about some of the dumb things that people do with their money, and people can find those at hereandnow.org. But you say there's more. Uh, And one of the things that you bring up is that people take on too much college debt. What do you mean by that? You know, when the book was published, it happened before the whole college admission scandal. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I remember having so many conversations with people because they kind of figured out that this was one of my things in my book and they wanted to talk about it. And I said, isn't this just the greatest example of this? You have some privileged people who were spending gobs and gobs of money, not to mention breaking the law. And I always wondered for what? And part of the reason I think that people take on too much college debt is that we're not really thinking through, like, what are we getting for all that debt? Mm -hmm. Yes, we know that people make more money with a college degree. And we also know that if you are a lower income household and your kid goes to a really good school, you're probably going to get that for free. And so what we find is that there's actually this weird middle ground of people who make too much money to qualify for really good financial aid. And they don't make enough money to be able to pay for college handily. And these people are the ones who are taking on so much debt. And I think that debt has really started to sink many young people's financial fortunes at far too early an age. Okay, but there are probably very few people out there in the middle class in this country who aren't taking on at least some debt in order to go to college. How do you know how much is too much college debt? Well, I I think you're absolutely right because we know that, you know, about three quarters of kids who are graduating are carrying some debt. And certainly having 10 or 15 or even $20,000 is fine. I think a a pretty good general, and I'm going to say like very general rule of thumb, is that you probably should not take on more debt than you're likely to make in your first year or two in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a software engineer, and you're going to be in a great company paying you seventy-five or eighty thousand dollars. You know, maybe sixty thousand dollars of student loans is completely doable. But if you are going to be someone who maybe takes a different path, maybe you're going to be in a lower-paying field, you probably don't want to take on that much debt. You want to try to figure out how am I going to maybe take on whatever my first-year salary is. Maybe that's forty or fifty thousand dollars. And I think one of the most pernicious types of debt that people are taking is graduate school debt. Because in many cases, the graduate school degree does not see uh, a huge bump up in salary in many fields. So you get a credential that doesn't pay off in the long run. 
Okay, another dumb thing that people do with your money that we didn't have time for last year, but we do now, is people who are trying to buy a home when they should, in fact, be renting. What's the mistake? Well, I mean, if you look at where prices are in many markets, there is a great opportunity for someone to say, well, you know, I can buy a home and it's affordable and it's a much better deal for me to buy that home rather than rent. But I think the rush to own something has really caused some people to perhaps get in over their heads. And we're talking about some of these coastal markets that have boomed in value. And, you know, you start to meet people who are saying, I am not putting money in my retirement account because I need to save to for a home. And then you say, well, what about renting? And they say, well, I, I don't think I'm supposed to be renting. Renting is a fabulous option for lots of people. Number one, you are not burdened by upkeep. Number two, you have flexibility if you get a job offer someplace else. And for older people, you know, when when my father died and a builder knocked on the door of my mom's house and said, I want to buy your house, she at first was saying, well, why would I do that? I, I, I need a place to live. And we kind of can, my sister and I kind of convinced her that renting would be a great way to free up the equity in her home mm-hmm. and also see where she wanted to go next. So I think that especially now that the tax law has changed in some of these high tax states where you're not getting that full write-off, you really must look hard, run the numbers to determine whether renting or buying is best for you. Try to drown out that that noise from maybe your parents or your grandparents who are saying, you're throwing money out the window. Instead of saying, I'm throwing money out the window, say, I'm buying flexibility. Well, Thanks is there very a much. calculation that you can do to figure that out? There is. I mean, there are plenty of calculators online. The New York Times has a wonderful rent versus buy calculator that I've directed people towards often. I think that what you probably don't understand when you're in the process of crunching the numbers is that owning a home is not just the principal and the interest and the taxes and the homeowner's insurance. It's upkeep. So ask any homeowner, how much do you spend on the upkeep of your home every year? It's anywhere between 1% and 3% of the purchase price over the course of the life, every single year. Mm-hmm. You add that up, that's a lot of money and can buy you a lot of rent. Okay, one more uh, that we have time for, another mistake you say that people make is that they don't have a will. Uh, and this is something that you know nobody really wants to face the idea that they're going to die at some point, but you've brought it up before. It's worth thinking about and at least putting some things in writing. I would say that of all the dumb things in the book, and 13 of them, that this one, I believe, is the absolute worst mistake that people make. First of all, just because you don't want to talk about or think about your own death doesn't mean it's not going to happen, right? right? It's going to happen. And by not planning around this and not putting documents in place, you are robbing your heirs of their ability to grieve for you. Instead, they're going to be sitting around saying – Jeremy, nice guy, but so irresponsible. I wish he had done. No, they're not going to say that about you. But what happens is you throw a lot of people's lives into chaos. And I know there are some folks out there who are saying, I don't have any money. I don't need a will. You may not be doing this just because of money. Maybe there are guardianship issues. I presume that many people who have children think one of their siblings or one of their in-laws or someone in their family is better capable of taking care of their kids than someone else. 
Maybe it is about your own health care. None of us knows when the next moment we step off a curb and get into a car accident and find ourselves in a terrible situation. You want to assign somebody the right to make a health care decision on your behalf. Now, there are plenty of online will makers. That's fine. Generally speaking, I would much prefer people going to qualified estate attorneys. Just know that not doing this is not going to make it go away. Make your wishes known. Jill, I said that was going to be the last one, but I want to ask you about one more thing, especially as we're sitting here with the stock market at all-time highs. You always bring up the fact that people should not think that they can time the markets and figure out when it's time to buy and when it's time to sell. If I knew the answer to that, and if anybody knew the answer to that, they would not be telling you or me. So what I want to do is take everyone off the hook. You don't have to know the right time. What you need to do right now as the market's at all-time highs is say, hey, have I rebalanced my account? Do I have that set automatically through my retirement account or some other method? If I need money within the next year, should I take that money out of my account right now so it's no longer at risk? This could happen with maybe a tuition bill coming up or maybe you do have a home down payment. But by and large, over the life of your investing, you don't even have to worry about the top or the bottom. You have to keep saving, keep investing in a diversified portfolio, rebalance once, twice, maybe four times a year. But, you know, don't worry. There's no wizard behind the curtain. It's just you, and it's the same for all of us. We just put our money away, and we'll reach our goals without too much muss or fuss. 